Amen. Wow. Wow, wow. You know, there's a lot of times in our life, I call them a game changer moment, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our walk with our Lord. A game changer moment. You know, that's something like, something that radically changes the situation that you're dealing with right now. It can be an event, it can be an idea, a procedure that affects a significant shift in the current way of doing or thinking about something. It's like watching a ball game and a new player comes on, on the field. Oh, it's a game changer, you know? Or man, you get an eagle on a par five, game changer, right? <laughs> or it's that Popeye moment, you know, where you go, I can't, I can't stand it anymore, you know? And you, it's a game changer moment. You're gonna do something because someone took olive oil away from you. But what if just for a week, just for a week, we just let God direct us and guide us through. You know, let him place us in maybe, and this is scary at times, a game changer moment. A position that's so big and so impactful, it'll change the landscape of your life. It's, that moment is kind of like aha, an aha moment, where you see something others don't see. It's transformational. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It takes you from being ordinary to extraordinary. Like Abraham, told him to leave, you know, don't stop till I tell you, so off he goes. Moses, lead, let my people go. He goes, the most powerful man in the world, game changer. Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. Oh no, I don't wanna go there, I need you to go. Daniel, courage, thrown into the lion's den, game changer. Peter, becomes the rock that Jesus says, I will build my church, strength. Or how about the three lives of individuals that I'm gonna share with you this morning, that when the heat was on, they never took their eyes off God. They realized that when the heat was on, and it's so important about the music we heard this morning, those songs, we're not alone. And that's what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna share a story with you. Now you may have heard this story before, but I'm hoping that God's gonna open your heart to see it in a little different way. These guys were dealing with a particular situation, but you can put your fiery thing that you're dealing with into this story. It's from Daniel. We're talking about a guy named Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And he made this image of gold. And this thing was 60 cubits. In other words, it was 90 feet tall. He made this figure. And it was six cubits wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had set up. Then the sat satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, they all the rulers of province, they were all assembled for this dedication of the image that the king set up. And they stood before this. Imagine, 90 feet tall. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, to you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sounds, of the horn and the flute and the lyre and the trigon and the falseries and the bagpipes and all kinds of music. I want you, he's talking to you, whatever this, this thing is, this idol in life, I want you to fall down before it and I want you to worship it. 
I want you to worship what I've set up for in your life. But whoever doesn't fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace, a blazing fire. So therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horns and the flutes and the bagpipes and all the music's going, okay, and all the people and every man and person from all different languages, they fell down and they worshiped this 90-foot idol. For this reason, at that time, there were certain Chaldeans came forward and they brought charges against, uh, against some Jews. And they said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of all those musical instruments, the horn, the lyre, and the bagpipes, and all that music, well, they're supposed to fall down and worship that golden idol. But whoever you said, king, you know, whoever doesn't fall down and worship is going to be cast into the mists of a burning furnace. And I got to tell you, king, there's some Jews, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that you have appointed over the administration of the province. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their names. Imagine naming your kid Shadrach, <laughs> Meshach. Oh, Abednego, would you please come in now? Anyways. These men, O oh king, here they are, They're, look at it. He goes, these guys have disregarded you. They don't serve your gods. They're not gonna worship that golden image that you set up. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is in rage and anger and he gave orders, bring those three guys here. Bring these men right here before me. I wanna see them right now. Well, these, you guys gotta understand something here. These are men of great promise. They had risen to positions of importance in the world's most powerful nation. They, and they, here they are, they're, they're, they can raise great families, they got money and wealth, they live in deeply fulfilling lives, doing wonderful things for their people and for their God. Their hearts were full of hope and dreams. Then, but Nebuchadnezzar commanded all the people to fall down and worship that image. Anyone who failed to bow, well, you know the story, going to be thrown into that blazing furnace. You need to know something, everyone. Burning in the form of execution was typical back then in Babylonian days. That fiery furnace was not some small household oven. It was a huge chamber used to smelt minerals or bake bricks for construction. It was no small thing. It says, Nebuchadnezzar responded and he said to them, is it true? Can you just see, I mean, the most powerful man in the world, and here you are very high inside the government there, and he goes, is it really true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods or worship that golden image? He goes, no, if you're ready, I love this, at the moment you hear it, he's giving him another chance, now look it. If you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the flutes and lyres and dragons and altar and bagpipes and all the music, fall down and worship the image that I have made very well, but if you don't, you will immediately be cast into the midst of furnace of a blazing fire, and what God is there who can ever deliver you out of my hands? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is what they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, I love this, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of that blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, 
Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship your golden image that you have set up. You know, what's amazing, it just amazes me about their story is this. The moment, this is the moment that has come when they realize death is inescapable. And there's nothing that they can do. Most of us would be dealing with regret, right? Having to leave this life. I'm sure, I'm, I was talking to Mike Groves today, one of the elders of the church. I said, as I'm driving here this morning, thinking of the story, I'm thinking their families had been there watching, they're gonna watch their dad, you know, or their best friends. I mean, you know, they're crying and weeping. I'm sure they're telling them, change your mind, bow down. You know, it had been awful. And this furnace is blazing and people are chanting. I mean, it had been really something. All they got to do, it is, they, they can't escape. I mean, they can escape. They're, they got money, they got everything, they got families. All they have to do is bend the knee. I mean, that's it. All they got to do, I mean, is worship that golden image, and this whole nightmare is over. It's over just like that. They're going to live, they're going to be restored to their positions of power and honor and status. So here, they're headed towards unimaginable pain. And one word would mean life for them. But they would not say the word. They would not bend their knee. Life or death. They chose death. The Nebuchadnezzar, when they told him they wouldn't bow, this is great. He was filled with wrath. His facial expression was altered. So you know me, Jerry, moms, you ever get really mad at your kids when you call them their full name? Like, All right, give them their full name and your face is just full of, you know, you got rage or you're really upset with somebody. So the king is like, I can't believe this. It says and it was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times hotter than it, than it usually is. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie these guys up. So they got up, they're tied up, ordered them to cast them into that blazing furnace. These men, they said, look at these men were tied up, in, they were fully dressed. They were in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes, and, and were cast into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire. For this reason, because that furnace was so hot and they had to have people because they were tied up to throw them in because the king's command was so urgent and the furnace has been made so extremely hot. The, now think of this, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried them to put them in. They died as they were taken to throw them in. The, I mean, have you ever been around an outdoor campfire? You know, and if you throw more wood on it, the hotter it gets and the bigger it gets and you can't get as close anymore. Can you imagine a furnace that is so hot that the, guy, the men, the soldiers are going to take them to throw them in. They die as they go and toss them into the, toss Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. So it said, but these three men, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, well, they fell right into the furnace, a blazing fire tied up. Nebuchadnezzar lost control. He lost it. I want you to crank that thing up hotter and hotter just so you're ready to throw them in. Imagine these three young men. I keep going back to the story. Facing what looks like their final moment. They've been faithful to the end. Every exit is closed. Oh, man, they feel the heat. And I just see those men who are carrying them in just fall dead right in front of them. 
Friends, that storm of hatred is raging all around them. Death is knocking. Yet their last words are praising the Lord even when they're in the storm. They're in the fire. They're in the storm asking God to save them. They're in the fire. Maybe like some of you in your lives and situations, you're in the fire. You're in the middle of the storm. Well, are they on fire? They wait for the searing pain. They wait for the numbness, smoke inhalation, waiting to be suffocated with their lungs. Nothing happens. They don't feel any different. It begins to dawn on them. They're not even warm. They don't even have burns. There's no smoke. Their restraints have disappeared. But here, here's the part of the story, and this is part of the story for your life. Oh, this is what I want you to grasp about our faith. It's not the best part of the story. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king, he was astounded, and he stood up in haste. That means he jumped out of his chair, and he said to his high officials, wasn't there three men we cast into the midst of that fire? And they replied, certainly, O king. Well, look, there's four of them. <laughs> look, there's four of them. They're all loosened. They're walking around in the midst of the fire without harm. And there's appearance that that fourth one, he looks like the son of God. Apparently, the four of them <laughs> spent a little time together in the furnace. <laughs> I wonder, you know, I sat there going, what did they say to each other? You know, you're in the midst of your horrible situation in your life. You think you're all alone. You think it's over. And next thing you know, God's walking with you. He's walking with you. I wonder if the fourth man in that furnace told him how proud the father was. How proud he was of their loyalty, devotion, and love. I wonder if he told them that because of this one act of faithfulness, their names would be remembered for thousands and thousands of years on the history on earth. I wonder if he told them that for centuries all over the world, men and women, who are facing trials and persecutions and suffering and even death would be strengthened by hearing their story. You see, I wonder what they said to that man. I bet they poured out adoration and gratitude and praise. Oh, thank you. You know, you saved us. See, don't miss this. This is the point of the story this morning for all of you in our faith. The furnace, that storm in their lives, which looked like the end, turned out to be the greatest thing they ever experienced. The furnace turned out to be the place where God met them. It's in the storms of our life. It's in those furnaces that times this is somewhere God meets us. I mean, here's the point of the story, and it's another don't miss this. They had hoped to be delivered from the furnace, but God decided to deliver them in the furnace. Let me say that again. How many of us, we want to be delivered from the furnace. We want to be delivered from the storm. But God decided, for many of us at times, I'm going to deliver you in it, not from it. It says that then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come on out, you servants of the Most High God, come here. Oh, he's had a change of heart. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. It's still blazing. They come out, and all the Santras and the, and the prefects and the governors and the king's high officials, they all gathered around. I love this. And saw in regard that these men, that the fire had no effect on the body of these men, nor was a hair in their heads singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had they even the smell of fire come upon them. They didn't even smell like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar responded, and he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating my commands and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own. So therefore, I'm going to make a decree that any people, any nation, tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb and their house, limb from limb to limb, and their houses reduced to rubbish heap. Inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way, then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. I would, let me just. Verse 20, I want to look at it again. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to deliver his servants who trusted in him. They have frustrated the king's word, yielded their bodies, and that they should not serve or worship any other god. Where in your lives, where have you suffered, I mean, dealing with these situations that because of their act of faithfulness to God, God delivered them from it but he's changed the whole country. You know, your current situation that you're dealing with or what situation you may be dealing with in your future, the way you handle it and respond, the way that you trust and have your faith in our Lord, it affects people all around you. I mean, look at this on a bigger picture here. It's just not about three guys in a furnace. You know, I wonder what the rest of their lives were like. You know, what happened after that? It doesn't say, we don't know. It's the last time they're ever mentioned. But I wonder, I wonder, when they were old men, many years later on the anniversary date, would they get together and just kind of remember, you know? They would remember when they were young men, full of courage and faith, when they defied the king and walked around in the flames and spent a few moments in the presence of the living God. I bet they never forgot that moment, going into the furnace, which looks like the last thing they wanted to do turned out to be the greatest event of their lives. Ironically, the furnace that looked like death turned out to be in the safest place of all. And why, why was it the safest place? Don't miss this, God was there, that's why. Friends, when you're in your storms, please, listen. When you're in your storms, remember, God is there. All these songs we've listened to this morning are all saying, you hear that small voice of God. You're not alone. I'm with you. I'm going to get you through this. You're going to make it. Some of the stuff that's happening, believe it or not, it's for your benefit somewhere down the road. I'm with you. God was with them. And, you know, you'll probably bother, well, Paul, why'd you bother with this whole story today? Because there's a great danger to the followers of Christ living in a comfortable world. The danger, the main goal of my life becomes furnace avoidance, okay? I don't want to deal with any furnace stuff, right? Furnace, I'll turn my, maybe my face away from a situation that maybe I should speak into, but uh, you know, it's going to get hot, it's going to get hot. 
you know. It's, it's going to be uncomfortable, you know. <sighs> you know, I, 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 I sit there and I, I'll be praying, God, please deliver me, right, from pain, discomfort, suffering, inconvenience. Please, Lord, do that. Make my life smooth. <laughs> Lord, make my life easy. Make it comfortable. Make it pleasant. Remove every obstacle from me, Father, every one. We avoid even low-level furnace. I had the oddest image as I was thinking about this message. I had a picture of God. He's got this big calendar on his refrigerator. You know, he's got pictures of us, you know, and things like that. And I see on, there, and on a date in there, on one of the calendars, it says, I need to meet Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the furnace. He's got it written all down on there. And I thought, what if they hadn't shown up? Their balance of their life was dependent on that decision, their willingness to face the furnace. Listen, friends, where on that calendar does God have your name written down? Where is it written on his calendar on his big, huge refrigerator? Meet Blair on blah, blah, blah date, you know? Uh, you know, meet Adele here on this date. Is your name on the calendar somewhere? Meet you in the furnace. I'm going to meet you in that storm. Because I'll tell you, we're all on the calendar. We all got dates that are going to come. That God is, we need him to come and meet us where we're at. Maybe, I'm just throwing this out there, but maybe we need to stop praying for deliverance from the furnace deliverance from the storm we're facing and just ask for the presence of God to be there. I don't think about this. Maybe there's a Nebuchadnezzar in your life that God wants to reach that can only be reached through you. Maybe God's been whispering, has he, for you to get involved. I don't know, some form of service with your community or the poor or the church or whatever. Maybe in a use of some spiritual gift or whatever, but you're, a little, you're afraid to. Okay, you've been avoiding what feels like the furnace. Come on, we all got to be honest, right? There's times we all got to win away. We don't want to face the furnace, okay? That's, he meets us. Maybe the furnace involves a relationship or a financial hardship or involves sacrifice. I just know. The golden statue in our world tends to involve gods with names like comfort, ease, security, success. And somewhere along the line, too many people and too many churches have gotten the idea that following God guarantees an easier life. They do. So let me ask you a question. How many heroes, if we pick up in that Bible and you start going through it, how many people in that Bible, how many heroes in our faith had easy lives? Hebrews 11, I'm going to read some right here. Um, and some did. And what more shall I say? Uh, you know, for, for time, well, it's, time's going to fail me, so I'm just going to, I, I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith, they conquered kingdoms by their faith, who performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises. They actually shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness, they were made strong, became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women actually received their dead back 
by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might attain a better resurrection and others experienced mocking, scourging, and yes, also chains and imprisonment. The some were, some were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were tempted, they were put to death by the, sto- by the sword. They went about in sheepskin, goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world's not worthy of. There wandered, a lot of them wandered around in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something even better, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Friends, God uses everyone in all different forms and fashion. Think about Mother Teresa. How about Martin Luther King? God says, fear not. Look at, though you're passing through the flames, they're not gonna burn you. They're not gonna destroy you. I'm gonna meet you. I'm gonna meet you in that furnace. I mean, I imagine these three, three brave men standing before the most powerful, I love this image, the most powerful man on the planet and boldly saying with one, one fist clenched, God, can you rescue us? He can rescue us, and I believe he will. That's what I, I believe he will. In essence, they're saying, you know what, King? <laughs> you think you control the situation. You think our lives are in your hands. A lot of us walk through life thinking that. We think our lives are in our own hands. You think you hold on to our ultimate fate. You could be no further wrong, he tells them. We serve a God who created the earth, who holds the stars in his hands, who set you on your throne, king, and who will rule long after you and your empire is gone. God has the situation well in hand, and he's more able to save us from that furnace. But then the other fist comes up. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to serve your gods. He can do it, but even if he doesn't, they're saying so great and so awesome and so worthy is our God that even he chooses not to save us and our bodies from being burnt in the flame, our God is still the one we're going to follow. We will trust him in life, and we're going to trust him in death. Friends, I'm going to tell you that's what the songs have been about and this message and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. It's about double-fisted faith. I know you can do it, but even if you don't, I believe you and trust that you've got, you're looking out for the best for me. Look around at your situation, health, family, finances, world situation, the whole Russia mess deal. You know, you just got to say, put them up. Come on, put them up. You know, you think you're in control of the situation. No, no, you're not. You think my life is in your hands. You know, you're with the doctors telling you, you don't have any hope, blah, blah, blah. You think, that's what you think, put them up, put them up. I know he can change that, my, my blood. I know he can heal the cancer. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, I trust him and I love him. You think, you think you hold my ultimate fate? You couldn't be further from the truth. Come on, put them up. You don't understand, I serve a God who created the earth. I serve a God who holds the stars in his hands, who controls your very next breath. Don't tell me, come on. 
My God's got this situation well in hand, and he's more than able to save me. And even if he doesn't, so great, so awesome, so worthy is my God, that even if he chooses not to save me from this current situation, my God is still the one I'm going to follow. I will trust him in life, and I will trust him in death. Double-fisted faith. Friends, this kind of faith God deserves, and it's the kind his Holy Spirit empowers all of us, no matter what, our circumstances are. So, there's an old saying that God is for us. Who can be against us? I want to encourage you before I go, I'm going to go ahead and play this last worship song. And then Mike's going to come up and do communion. I want you all to hear me. Jesus promised this. Remember, I shared with you about a promise from Jesus. You know, like we talked about, you've all made promises to people, right? Have you kept them? How about uh, people made promises to you? Have they kept them? You can count when Jesus gives you a promise. You can count on it. He says, I'm never going to leave you. Look at him. He says, look, if he's standing here right now, I go, I'm never going to forsake you. No matter what your situation, no matter what you've done, He's always come searching. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. If you're suffering and struggling, he'll leave the 99. He'll come alongside you. He'll do whatever he's got to do. It's reckless love. It's crazy. What do you mean you'll come along? What do you mean you'll leave the others to come get me because I love you so much? I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to get you. It's reckless love. 